0: You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com/slash victoryalabang. Last week, Pastor Ariel opened the series called The Great Exchange. And this is really about the most important doctrine in Christianity, which is salvation. Everybody say salvation. How many of you know that salvation is a free gift? As good as that sounds, the free gift of salvation was not really free. We all know this. It came with a heavy price. The ultimate sacrifice was made to purchase everything. You all know this. That's why there was such a great exchange. Can you imagine? What did we give to God? Our sin. What's, you know, God? Our sin. Think about that. It's like dirt. And then God, holy, that's what we gave him. And that's a great exchange that we have. Holy Week is coming at the end of this month, right? And year after year, as a religious nation understands uh, Holy Week, when they observe Holy Week, it's actually a time of understanding that Jesus Christ died for what? For our, our sins, right? Amen. But it's one thing to have that head knowledge, but it's another thing, to have it here, right in our hearts, understanding and realizing how great, how high, how deep is the love of our Lord. Sometimes it's just here because we're, we just we have grown used to the fact that we live in this nation every year, we understand the Holy Week, we know about the death of Jesus Christ. In fact, they show the Passion on TV, right. Before it was like the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, During our time, just Ten Commandments. Now we have Passion, Mel Gibson thing. But it's just there. It's all head knowledge. Our prayer today is that all of us will really understand it from here. We really understand how great, how heavy, how weighty this salvation that we have. Amen. But last week, Pastor Ariel opened the series with a topic called The Salvation Plan. Okay, um, it's it's quite interesting. right? if you if you have ever planned ever in your life, right? How many of you know that when you plan, it's not always the the case. You know what I mean? We we always uh, somehow somewhere along the line, the plans that you're planning does not happen. In fact, it fails. Right? How many of you know that? Or is this just me? Okay, most of us, right, experience that. And the and the thing with that, when our plans fail what happens is that we get frustrated, right? Because it's not happening our way. It's beyond our control, correct? And the thing is, when we get frustrated, we react to it, right? But not for God. Not for God. Having Jesus our Savior was not a mere reaction to our sin. Because God already foreknew everything even before the world was created. That's what the Bible says. In other words, salvation is God's plan even before the foundations of the earth. In Ephesians, actually, Pastor Ariel last week preaching this in verse three. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And verse four says, even as he chose us in him. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. So even before creation came to be, God already knew what was about to happen. He knew exactly what's going to happen. But let us not forget, in this verse, is this two words. And it says, in love. Everybody say, in love. Have you ever been in love? Right? Yes, okay. But in love... He, which is, you know, the center of everything in love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Now, God planned out His salvation even before He created everything. And His reason is out of His great love. Isn't that amazing? Can you give praise to God? Come on. Today, we're gonna talk about guilty to forgiven, all right? If you're ready, I want you to stand on your feet and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 to 10. One, two, three. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Let's just pray. Lord, we are grateful that we are a community of believers hearing your word. It is our desire today, Lord God, that you will open our spiritual eyes and open our spiritual heart. That we may receive, Lord God, a full revelation of salvation. Lord, I pray that you will speak to your people and let every word that will come out from this mouth be your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God's salvation or his plan for salvation really begins when we understand this particular word that Paul said, in our scripture, it's the word called redemption. Everybody say redemption. redemption. All right. Um, I don't know, I don't know uh, what idea comes to mind, but when I was young, okay, not many years back, okay? When I was young, no, I you have to admit, I'm old already. I mean, if you know a lot of things already back in history, that means you're old already, but it's okay. But when I was young, the only concept or understanding of redemption for me, okay, was actually getting all these um, empty bottles of soda. <laughs> okay? I don't know if you do this, but I do this. I get these empty bottles of soda and I go run immediately to the Sari Sari store. Now, if you're not Filipino, Sari Sari store is a small grocery or supermarket. No, it's not a supermarket, it's just a store, small one. But you go there. And then you get all these bottles and then you bring it there and the owner of that sari-sari store will redeem the bottle for a price of 25 centavos. I don't know if you've, yeah, believe it or not, 25 centavos. I think it started out in 5 centavos or 10 centavos. But that's what we do. In fact, every summer like this, when it gets so hot in the house and you want to get that, you know, that ice-cold Coca-Cola, Okay? And if you don't have money because you know, during summer, you're not given allowance, right? Amen, right? They all know what I'm saying. So when we didn't have allowance, we actually, we actually went to the store or actually went around the neighborhood and asked for bottles of empty soda. That's what we do. And if we've collected a lot, we'd go, we'd bring it there, and then we'll make, you know, we'll get changed. So if you have 10 bottles, you have 2 pesos and 50 centavos, and I can actually buy a bottle of Coke, and I get to have um, chewing gum, and get to have Chocnut and Tarzan bubble gum, and Kropek, you know, for 2 pesos. Believe it or not, during our time. So you know exactly how old I am, right? Or... Or the concept of redemption is this, actually. You can redeem your bottle caps, okay? <laughs> how, many you, how many of you did that? You, you, got, you went to the store, you actually have the bottle... Oh, it's just me. All right, but you did, right? We did. We did. Okay, now, curious. I'm just out of curiosity. How many of you actually got a price? Wow, there's a lot of you. I envy you. I never got a price. I mean, I, in my pursuit of getting, you know, getting to win this, I have drunk all the Coca-Cola, Pepsi-Cola, 7-Up, Royal. I, in fact, you know, that's my problem, I'm diabetic today. <laughs> it's my pursuit of winning, but it didn't happen. I never won anything. You know, it's kind of like that. Sorry, you do not win this time. Play again. That's basically what I got. <laughs> so, see, that's my concept of redemption. But for my kids today, if you have kids, how many, how many of you have kids, children today, okay? Now, the concept for our kids of redemption is this, okay? It's uh, going to a, an amusement place, right, like time zone. I, I know somebody I know here who loves time zone uh, because we used to play together in time zone, right, Reno? All right. And, and uh, the concept, okay, the concept is you have a card and then you play, right? And then each, each time you play, you get points, And what do you do? You redeem the points and go to actually this counter. And you redeem the prize, correct? Right? And we enjoy this. But is this the redemption that we really are talking about? So the question is today is this. What is biblical redemption? Okay, what is it? Uh, The Greek word for redemption is apolutrosis, which actually means buying back. Okay, I just love the word. Just to make it sound you know, intelligent, but it means buying back. Now, to best illustrate this is this. Um, in fact, uh, I think all of you know, know the story, but the story comes from a, well, this boy, this little boy who had built a wooden boat, okay? He, he crafted the boat, he created it by himself, and he tried playing with it in the lake, now one day when he was playing, the, the wind blew the sail, and then the the boat somehow, somehow left his sight and it vanished somewhere. So in other words, he lost his wonderful boat. And so he went home so so discouraged. In fact, nobody can console him. The mom and dad was there. We'll make again a new one. No, 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 I like this boat. So he was crying, he was so devastated. But the following day, while he was walking to town with the parents, he, he sees his boat. You know, you know the story, right? Okay? So if you know the story, just pretend you don't know the story. Okay? But if you don't know the story, this is the story. So he, he sees his boat, this wonderful toy, in his store by the display. And he was so happy to see it he was shocked to find it there he 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 rushes down the, the the lane and went inside the store and he said to the owner hey that's my boat that's my boat that i lost can i have it of course the, the store owner said no you can't have it i bought this from a fisherman no way he says but that's mine i know but if you want it you have to buy it back So finally, this boy probably went collecting bottles, you know, (laughs) collecting bottles to get money, right, to to earn points or whatever. But, you know, he, he earns this money just enough to go to the store owner and says, I want my toy back, and he gets it back. Now, biblical redemption refers to this, to the price that God had to pay to get back what was originally his. And look at your neighbor. That's you and me. Say that to your neighbor. That's you and me. We are originally his. We are his creation. And somehow, somewhere along the line, we were lost. But the price he had to pay is not 25 centavos. The price was even greater than that's beyond Comparison. So question is, how did God lose us? Right? How did He lose us? Paul says, in fact, in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, he says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, we all know his name is Adam, and death through sin and so death spread to all men because what? All sin. Not one, but all sin. You know, we all know that through Adam sin entered the world and affected every human being. We are actually born with this nature of sin. And some of us actually may think, you know, God... Actually, I, I, I thought of this, I thought of this, and I was when I was a bit young in the, my Christian walk, I said, God, why did you allow Adam to, to sin? Did you ever ask that question? Why did you sin? I mean, if I were Adam, I'm not going to listen to the serpent. I'm not going to do that, right? Right? So if, just imagine with me just for a while, okay? What if you were Adam and Eve on the day that you were tempted? Will you actually stand and not sin? I'm thinking with me for a while. What if we were Adam and Eve? We were there at the very beginning. Because actually, we know the story, right? We know the story. The serpent came, you know, tempted, and boom. Sin came, the sin of disobedience, and all is history. Every humanity right now suffers sin, correct? Now, imagine yourself there. Being there, you know what I think? We'll also sin. We'll also sin. No matter who God would put there in the beginning they will sin. God foreknew it. God already knew that. Understand that God knows all things because He created everything. So, question Why is there then a need for redemption? In other words, why, why do we need to be redeemed? You know, in the time of, of the Apostle Paul, when he mentions redemption it does not only mean to buy back, but he was actually talking in the context that you buy back a slave. You buy back a captive making free by payment of a ransom. Have you heard that? You heard that in that song, ransom. What is ransom? Is it you looking beautiful? That's handsome, okay? Ransom, okay? Ransom, a sum of money or payment demanded on pay or paid for the release of a prisoner or a slave. So when God lost us to sin, the Bible says or it said slave we are actually slaves to sin. Romans chapter 6 verse 20 says when you were slaves of sin, you didn't have to please God. You know most people don't realize that sin that entered the world which affected humanity it actually enslaved us. It enslaved us to a point that we don't even realize that we are being enslaved. You, you understand what I'm saying? You're just used to it because sin is part of your life. Sin is our master. Uh, you you bow down to it every single time when it says, "Come on, let's do it. Let's you know be tempted and do bad things." Nobody had to tell you. Just do it. Because you don't have that concept of sin. In fact, it is our nature. You don't, you don't actually teach your child how to be selfish. Do you tell your child to be selfish? No, This just natural. They're selfish. Yeah, I know it. I have three kids. That's mine. If not for the gospel, if not for the word of God, our kids will not understand what is love. Because the truth of the matter is we are enslaved by sin. And it's very important to take note that sin does not please God. It never pleases God. In fact, in the time of Noah, you all remember the time of Noah, the great flood came, right? The Bible talks about this in Genesis chapter 6, verse 6. It says, The Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it actually grieved his heart. I mean, that's how bad our sin was. That's how bad humanity was. That he had to judge the earth. Of course, we know Noah and his family came out well. You know, when you talk about sin, it holds you captive. You can't get away. It's kind of like this picture, you know, the shackles, right? And that's a picture of, you know, being a captive of sin. You don't have any key, it's just that. You can't do anything, you can't go anywhere and you don't know it. You're so consumed because you live in it. That's the picture of sin. You know what's the worst part? No, the worst part is this. Bible says in Romans chapter six, verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. You're familiar with this. In other words, the only way you can pay out your debt is death. Think about that. It's death and nothing else. Of course, we know physical death, but there's what we call spiritual death. The wages, the payment for sin is death. Now, let's just pause for a while and think with me. This God who created me, who lost me to sin, will now lose me forever in eternity. That's a picture of sin. That's a picture of, you know, can't do anything about it. Our sin will really get me death. That's a picture. This is why redemption had to come. This is why Jesus or God had to redeem us. Because nobody, nobody can help you get out of your shackles. You are are captive in that. In fact, redemption looks back even in the time of the Old Testament days. It looks back. Actually, the history of humanity, the history of Israel, the history in the Bible speaks of redemption. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 15 says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God, what? Redeemed you. So in fact, God even in the Old Testament days, has been actually executing his salvation plan. So before the world began, right? Before the world began, God already foreknew what was going to happen with Adam. He knew he was going to sin, but yet he had a plan. And his plan actually went over and over through Old Testament days, even in the time of Adam. Remember Adam and Eve? Sowed fig leaves, right? To cover the shame, right? You all know this. But God, what did he do? He... He actually mended clothes for them, which came from animals, right? Which was the first sacrifice to redeem. And all throughout scriptures, God actually has been doing this. He chose a people where he can start redeeming or buying back what he lost, which was originally his. See, God has and still is in the business of redemption even today. Even today as we speak, it is still his business. If you look back really to the history of Israel, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, then to Moses, then King David, then King Solomon, then to Joseph and Mary, then we have Jesus. The whole history from Old Testament to the New Testament God has been in the business of redeeming. Can you give God praise for that? Wow. Hallelujah. So, my question again is this Who can actually redeem us? Who has the authority, who has the power to redeem us? Now, if the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, if it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, then who can actually save us? Right? There is nobody in this world who is existing in this world who can actually measure up to the standards of God. Nobody. No matter how good you are, no no matter how powerful or rich you are in this world, you cannot redeem humanity. In fact, all our lives, that's what we have been doing. We are trying to redeem ourselves, which we cannot Nobody can because nobody is holy and righteous before God. That's what the Bible says. And Samuel said, he said, there is none holy like you, Lord. There is none. Nobody is righteous before God. And what Paul wrote in our, in our scripture today, in fact, in, in chapter 1, what scholars say that in one breath, he wrote this in one sentence, this whole Chapter is in one sentence. He wrote it, packed it with all the doctrine about salvation. This is what he says in our scripture. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So if you're going to answer this question, who can redeem us? Well, redemption comes only from Jesus Christ. And you all know this. It's not even a mystery anymore. Everybody knows that. In other words, Jesus met the standards of God. What all of us cannot meet so that we can be redeemed, Jesus actually met that standard. Because there is no, again, there is no human who is holy and righteous. But, what if this human would be born sinless? Right? Like, what if this human also would live a sinless life? What if this human is actually Emmanuel, the God who is with us? Then he can redeem us. Our Lord Jesus Christ came so that he could redeem us. That's why Paul says, in him. Everybody say, in him. It's in Christ. David Gusick says that in him, we have redemption and nowhere else. There is no possible redemption outside of Jesus and his redeeming blood. Now, I want you to pause again, okay? Bear with me. Now pause again. Imagine if Jesus were never born. Imagine. Then who will redeem us? After we are born here on earth, live here on earth, and we die, and then no one to redeem us, no more hope for the future. That's the worst thing that could happen in a human life, to be born in this world and have no purpose whatsoever, just to die. But praise be to our Lord. Amen. Praise be to God because He came and redeemed us Sometimes we take it for granted because, because we, have been, we have been walking with Christ. Ah, oh, we know all of these things already. But we need to put it here and understand the weight of, of what He has done for us to redeem us. Because God could have chosen, God could have chosen not to redeem us. God could have just said, you know, I'm gonna recreate or do do a new new set. Of human beings, I don't know. But yet, He stuck it out with us. And yet, despite our sin, He stuck it out with us. He still redeems us. And how He redeems us, He says in verse 7 Him we have redemption through His blood. The price of redemption is His blood. In fact, it is mentioned many times over and over again in all our services through His blood. When we actually take communion, we say through His blood. It became so normal for us to hear through His blood. But do you really understand the magnitude of that blood that was shed on the cross? Do we actually understand it? I may not be able to understand it. But what I know is that the blood that was shed on the cross was a heavy price to pay. You see, Jesus did not redeem us by his sinless life. Although we know he's sinless, right? We, we also know that, that Jesus did not redeem us because he actually was morally correct. But he redeemed us by death on the cross in our place. That's what happened. By his blood. Charles Spurgeon says, "Observed." Observe. It is not redemption through his power. It is through his blood. It is not redemption through his love. It is through his blood. How we wish, Lord, you didn't have to die. You know, my daughter, Colleen, will always tell me, Dad, why did Jesus have to die? Is it not enough that he loves us? How many of you want the love of God? That's all of us, right? Yes. How he wishes that love is enough. But you see, there's no other way. But he had to die on that cross. He had to shed his blood on the cross. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. There's no forgiveness. Can you imagine? If there is no forgiveness of our sins, we actually live in a place called guilt. Nobody to tell you that you are forgiven. That's the impact if you do not understand what this blood is that was shed on the cross. Paul says, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. Redemption means forgiveness. That's what it means. Someone once said that our sinfulness and our need for forgiveness are two of the most obvious facts of our existence. Our sinfulness and our need for forgiveness are two of the most obvious facts of our existence. We long for that. We long to be forgiven because we know we have messed up in our lives. I have messed up in my life, big time. Before I came to know Christ, I messed up a whole lot hurt a lot of people. That's why I needed to be forgiven. And if you are not being forgiven, you, you actually walk aimlessly in life trying to find that forgiveness. You know, an advisor of Emperor Nero, his name is Seneca, he called himself the homo non-tolerabilis, okay? a man not to be tolerated. He said, What humankind needs in despair is a hand to lift them up. You know, many times there are are actually many people out there who needs this. A hand to lift them up from the pit. That dark pit called sin. Albert Speer, Hitler's confidant. He was the third Reich's uh, minister of uh, armament. He was one of the 24 Nazis who was actually sentenced to death. Now, before he died, he was interviewed, and this is what he said. He said, I cannot get rid of it. I don't think it is possible to clear away guilt. Now, the tragedy of both these people, Seneca and, and Speer, is that they never knew that it is possible. It is possible. be forgiven it is possible for that guilt to be taken away and that's what we have in Christ there is a way to remove that sin in fact John the Baptist said this when he saw Jesus remember this when he was baptizing John the Baptist when he was baptizing he said he looked at Jesus and he said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world Wow See, Jesus did not come just to cover sin. And each time you'd sin, hey, guess what? Look, I'm uncovering your sin again. That's not, that's not what Jesus did. The Bible says, the Lamb of God, referring to Jesus Christ, came, He took away our sin. The sin of the world. He didn't cover it, but He took it away. What that means is that He took your past you're present in your future and say, hey, look, you're forgiven. John Calvin says, God put our sins out of his remembrance and drowns them in the depths of the sea. Our forgiveness. It's amazing. You got you to gotta, you gotta understand this. Our forgiveness that we have received. What Jesus did on the cross when he actually bought you back with his life, the price, guess what? Forgiveness flowed out from that and it erased our past, our present, and our future sins. Of course, some of you might say, wow, then I can sin again tomorrow. That does not give you any license to sin. What God understands because he foreknew everything, he knows exactly that while you and I are living here on earth, you and I will battle with sin. It does not give us the license to sin, but but He can forgive us. You know, when I, when I got saved, okay. in fact, the, the one who discipled me is here and uh, shared that the one-to-one with me, sat down with me, both of them are here, actually. I got baptized in their swimming pool. <laughs> you know who you are. But that day was some mirac- miraculous day, right? Reno, you know, you remember the water became murky and dirty after my baptism. You had to change and clean it, right? I'm sorry. I haven't, yeah, I haven't said sorry. But the day that I got saved, the day that I, I was baptized, guess what? The following day, I sinned again. And that brought me to my knees. And I said, God, I thought I have received you already as my Lord and Savior. And why am I messing up again? I was so, I was so down. And guess what? What I did, you know, I tried to work it out again and tried to be, you know, in church, tried to, to read the Word, <laughs> pray. I did all this religious stuff. And, you know, I just didn't have an understanding that God has already forgiven me, Period. Are you understanding? I didn't realize that God has already forgiven me all the way. Again, it does not give me license to sin. Isaiah 44 verse 22 says, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Have you ever seen a morning mist? Okay, from where I I, I grew up with in Baguio City during the morning, it's just like you all see the morning dews, right? But, At noontime, it's gone. And what what I say was saying that our offenses, our sins, are like the morning mist. They disappear in the sight of God. That's why he says, return to me. That's very important, right? Yes, we sin, but God says we need to return to him. Right? For I have redeemed you. In Micah chapter 7, verse 19, he said, he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. See, God knows we will still sin while we live here on Earth. God knows that. In fact, the apostle Paul himself said this in Romans chapter seven verse 15. He said, "For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want." But I do the very thing I hate. He hated sin. I mean, tell me if you guys have not sinned the past week. Anybody? If you've been to Edsa. Have you been to Edsa? Did you ever sin in Edsa? While we live in this flesh, we battle with our flesh. That's why God is still sanctifying us to be like Him. Our salvation is not a one-time thing. But it's not a one-time thing. Our salvation is working, sanctifying, changing this heart of ours to be renewed to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what's happening. That's why John says, if we sin, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all Unrighteousness. You see, if you are a Christian today and if you have sinned against God, the the operating word is if. Everybody say if. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, God foreknew everything. He actually knew that you got mad with your husband and your wife or your wife. He knew actually you got offended and you hated somebody. He actually knew that we will sin. But yet, He gives us a way out that if we confess our sins, bring it to light, amen, expose it to the glorious light of our God, then we can receive forgiveness, amen. Can we give God a big hand for that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Truth is, we are forgiven, washed away from guilt and shame. That's the truth. Wash away our, our past, our present, and our future sin. God is able to forgive. In fact, this is why, this is why actually it is possible for God to do this. Going back again to our scripture, he says, In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses and he says according to the riches of his grace I like that because redemption is possible because of the riches of God's grace amen it is possible there's so much grace the redemption forgiveness given to us comes from according to the measure of of the richness of our God. That's what we have. It's not a small redemption. Understand, just because it's just you and me, it's not a small redemption. It was a huge amount. It cost the blood of his son. Huge amount. Now, if you were to go to, if you are to go to a multimillionaire, okay, and ask him, can you contribute to a worthy cause? And, he gave you a check worth uh, 2,000 pesos. Multimillionaire guy, okay? If he gives you a check of 2,000 pesos, he would only be giving out of his riches, right? But if this millionaire actually gives you a 2.5 million peso check, then he would be giving according to his riches. Of course, 2.5 million is nothing to God. But if you understand the richness of the riches of his grace, it's just more than that. He gives according to the riches of his grace. I'm thinking, wow, God, it's not according to the riches of your justice. I mean, think about that. God is a God of justice. And what if he says, I am the God of justice and I'm rich of justice? and I'm going to punish you. But no. The Bible says that He is rich. Rich in grace. He could have actually judged us easily, easily judged us. But the riches of His grace far outweighs the justice that we should have deserved. It far outweighs that. If you're listening to me today, this is how great the God that we serve. The love that God gave us, His riches, grace, glorious grace, mercy. And He says, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom. It's extravagant, amen. God's riches, His grace. You know what? He can afford. He can't afford to let Adam fall into sin. He can't afford to the whole Old Testament days. He can't afford that. Only to show you in the New Testament where we stand today that His grace is so rich. His mercy. Not only He can give. Nobody can. That's what we have with God. And He says, In all wisdom and insight. In other words, he did not think twice. Because when he decided to give his grace, his mercy to us, he did not think twice to give it because he can. With all his wisdom, his understanding, his insight, he gave us his grace, he gave us his son, not thinking twice. to Give this wonderful Savior that we have. Charles Hodges says, An overflowing, he explains this. It is an overflowing abundance of unmerited love. We don't deserve it. Inexhaustible in God. I like the word inexhaustible. You just cannot exhaust this grace (laughs) that we're standing. Can you imagine that? Are you here? No matter what sin in your past, no matter what you've done in the past. His grace is inexhaustible. you understand that? No matter what sin that you have done today, even today, yes, His grace is inexhaustible. And it's freely accessible, accessible only through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we have in Christ. That's why He says, making known to us this mystery of His will. It used to be, kept from us, but in Christ now we have this mystery revealed to us according to His purpose which He set forth as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things here on earth. This is it. Redemption unites us back to a loving God. Amen. Can we give God a big hand for that? Hallelujah. This is just me, okay? If we were to go back in the time of Adam and try to do everything we can, we won't succeed, right? And I believe that. This is what I believe. See, when God when God created Adam, He made him as His creation, right? He is a creature. But in Christ, we're not just a creature. We're not just a creation. We are sons and daughters. And I don't want to live Adam's life, but I'm just happy where I am because I have received the full mercy and the grace of God. Many times we we go through life thinking that because we are sinners, yes, we are. Thinking that, you know, because we sin on a day-to-day basis, we think that God's not able to forgive you. Guess what? Bible says if you confess your sins, He is faithful to forgive us. I want us to bow down our heads and just close our eyes before our God today. I don't want to embarrass anyone, but this is between you and God. Whatever sin that you have committed today, yesterday, whatever it is, I want you to come before our God and say, God, I want to confess my sin to you because only you whom I have gone against. That is you. And if you're still living in the shadow of guilt, guess what? If you confess your sin, God is faithful to forgive you. Lord, you know who we are. You know what we have done. Whatever sin, Lord God, I pray as we confess it maybe not today with, with as we confess this with our pastor with our victory group leader or with anyone who, any leader in the church if we have sinned against you god well, i want to confess that but lord i pray that you'll give him the grace to come up front and say god this is me i want to open my life again to you if you have sinned to say god i ask for your forgiveness would you forgive me today would you forgive me today, Lord Jesus? Just receive that forgiveness in the name of Jesus. And there's one more I want to pray for. You know, the riches of God's grace is so immense that there is no amount of sin God cannot forgive. If you understand the grace that you are where you are standing on today. His riches of grace and mercy is with you. If you have not received Him as your Lord and Savior, maybe today's the day. Remember, if you are not willing to put Jesus as your Redeemer, you end up being born here on earth, living here on earth, and you're just going to die and perish in eternity. But if you're willing to make Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Willing to make Him your Redeemer. Then, I want you to lift up your hand. Pastor, that's me. I want to make Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It's okay. Just lift it up as high as you can. Anybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't miss this chance. Don't miss this chance. God is speaking to you today. Just lift up, Lord. I want to receive you now as my Lord and Savior. I understand now that I can be forgiven. Anyone? Anybody at all? All right, let's just pray. Father, hallelujah. Thank You, Lord God, that as we have embraced You to be Lord and Savior of our lives, Lord, we're just thankful and grateful that we are forgiven. Our guilt, our shame is taken away. Lord, I pray that you will release, Lord God, your blessing upon your people. Lord, thank you, Lord God, that you have made this day, Lord God, a day of revelation for all of us. Lord, as we move out of this place, I pray, Lord God, that every blessing that you have for each and every one of us will come to pass. I pray, Lord God, that you will open the floodgates of heaven part so much blessing that we cannot contain but to bless others. Lord, I pray for the peace, the joy, the love, divine health the provision and everything be upon your people and everybody lift up your hands come on say Lord Jesus I receive your blessing so that I can be a blessing in Jesus name